Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Good morning, lovely. Hello, how are you? Oh, happy hump day, everyone say that good um actually I didn't tell you I'll just tell you I am waiting with bated breath even though by the time this goes out I will have a new nephew oh wow yes amazing my brother's girlfriend is currently waiting in hospital for a c-section that she was supposed to have oh I feel so bad for her right she was supposed to have it the so basically she's got a condition which means she has to have a c-section and, she, and then it, probably an early one. So it was already elective, not elective, but planned oh. for Monday. But oh. then she's been having problems, complications. So they brought her in, said, kept her in overnight, and then said, right, we're going to do C-section tomorrow. That was on Thursday. So when you're going to have C-section, it's surgery. So you're not allowed to nil by mouth. Yeah. Not allowed to eat. Yeah. So she yeah. hasn't eaten since Thursday. Oh my word. And she's like, oh, we're going to do it tomorrow. And then they didn't do it tomorrow because some emergencies have come out, come up. And now they're saying, I'm going to do it tomorrow. So by now it's Saturday for them. And she's still, so she's not, she probably hasn't been sleeping very well either, but she's not eaten and she's waiting to have her baby. Wow. And how, how, how much longer, sorry, how much sooner is the C-section planned for? Well, it's supposed to be like happening and this is just waiting, literally waiting. Could yeah, be, so how, could be next, she could be having it now. So you know speak. how so, so so Tracy, you know how you said about uh, the C section is uh, is scheduled slightly earlier than the due date? Yeah. So how much earlier than the due date? Oh well, um it's only like three or four days. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. I see. I thought we meant like maybe a week or whatever. But yeah, okay, all right. I see, I see. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so I it's will have exciting rules are nervous, nerve-wracking. Excite my mum is so excited and it's so funny because it? they're all texting me separately. So I'm getting a t- text from my sister, text from my brother, and text from my mum. Even though we have a chat that they've forgotten about, they'll just text me. But it's nice, yeah. So I will wait I'm waiting, waiting for the call. Well, I'd say you know the sex of a child, isn't it? It's, you're, it's another nephew for you. Right? It's another nephew, it's a boy, I know that for sure. Yeah. Did your did your, um, did your uh, sister-in-law and your brother have a gender reveal party? 
Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's relevant to this podcast. Is it? Uh, yeah. Gender, we've spoken about gender reveals before. We've had articles around gender reveals. I just so, think, um, I think they're silly. Personally, that's just me. I don't think I wouldn't personally want one. I mean, if you, to be honest, though, any excuse for a party, I'm like, yeah, go for it. But I just feel like we've got parties for everything. You know, you've got a baby naming party, oh, gender yes, reveal do, yeah. party, and a baby shower. Was yeah, any excuse to have a party. Any excuse to have a party. So yeah, they did have a gender reveal party. It was very elaborate. My sister was involved. If my sister's involved, it's elaborate. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Good. Yeah, it was a bit like a, I don't know, there used to be a quiz show, I'm sure. If you imagine like IKEA shells, you know, those cube shells. Yes, yes. So imagine cool. that size. And then they had like some covers over them or balloons yeah. in them, each one. Yeah. yeah. And they popped the balloon and then a colour came out. I right? See. right. But it was more like the more pink there was, it was a girl, or the more blue there was, it was going to be a boy. And was it an actually like a quiz show format? No, it was just the take turns. Oh, and then it's like, ooh, oh, it was blue. Also, it's you like know. building up the atmosphere, building up the excitement. Yeah. And yeah. then it was like, okay, right, I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and filmed on video and sent to me for oh, my, yes. for so my viewing pleasure. Reveal. So there was a gender reveal. <laughs> for my viewing pleasure. <laughs> um, so there was that. And then what else? What's going on? I don't know. I went to the movies, watched Flash. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, Any good? Actually. Any recommendations? It's just a good action movie if you like a bit of action. And it's quite funny. Well, Mina seemed to think so. She was laughing her head off the whole time. She laughs at, yeah, she laughs at, she laughs at things I don't laugh at. <laughs> it's, it's actually amuses me watching her laugh. <laughs> Away you go. That's a comedy night in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it's a comedy night in itself. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what about you? Yeah, I I haven't been to the movies, but uh, I have been uh, I have been watching uh, TV, um, obviously. And as you probably know, I am a massive, massive EastEnders fan. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I have really not watched that in years, or maybe I caught it when I went back to the UK at some time. So I've been watching it since 1985, uh, unashamedly. <laughs> and the reason why I mention it is because this week it all kicked off. And I think if you're if you're in the UK, you've probably heard because it's over the papers, it's over the media. It makes the papers the storylines. It does, it does, because a lot of the storylines that EastEnders pick up, um, they're very relevant to these the social issues that are happening okay um, and so but this isn't actually about a social issue this is the reason why i mention it is because it's in humor is because i don't know if you remember um the program everyone well a lot of people remember the program dallas yeah i remember dallas I you remember when mm-hmm. there was a character bobby ewing yeah and, and he died and then he came back to life and he came back um in <sighs> power, right yeah yeah and so eastenders this week did a big reveal they were they were working up the last few weeks and this is why i love the way they do this the writers they're working up to this storyline where a new family has entered the square right which is where the old drama is set okay. and there's a missing character a missing mum 
And it turns out that the reveal this week was that the EastEnders is bringing back a character which had supposedly died 25 years ago. And it's one of the main characters, which is, um, who is Cindy, Cindy Beale. No! They're bringing, so they brought her back. So this week, yeah, so this week, and I didn't actually know because I don't read, obviously I'm not in the UK. And so I didn't know about this hype. And I didn't know about it being in the papers because a lot of East End, apparently a lot of East Enders fans like myself, every, well, everyone was trying to work out, including me, we've all been trying to work out who the missing mum is in this family that have arrived on the square and living in the Queen Vic. So there's a dad. Oh, they're going to be living in the Queen there's Vic. A, there's a dad and his, there's, there's two daughters and they arrived about four, three weeks ago, right? And I've been watching the EastEnders, you know, obviously. And then so in the last three weeks, even myself, I've been thinking, who is this character? Who is this, this woman? Because I've been thinking of maybe famous uh, female actresses in the UK that they might want to bring in. Like, for example, um, six months ago, the EastEnders cast actually brought in Patsy Kensit as a character. Yeah. So uh, and so everyone, everyone's been guessing and they've been dropping. The writers have been dropping clues in and so it's been really clever because uh, and then it's only until I watched an episode on Wednesday and then they actually revealed that it was uh, the person they they basically they put it together so that the main character would be ringing this this female character and they ended up revealing and you could actually see it was Michelle Collins who plays Cindy and she picked up the phone and we see we see her and so, uh, yeah, and the last episode was last night or yesterday, and they basically showed how um, how her character had ended up surviving. And she did her scene with Adam Woodyot, who is the longest uh, member in EastEnders, who plays Ian. And uh, so that was really good. And another thing that was really great about, this, about EastEnders this week is that, you know how in a lot of soap operas, um, a lot of dramas, long-running dramas, you often have children, um, obviously, um, playing their role at a very young age. They and they might up. then swap out the, oh, for the older actor. as they get older because of schooling and for any other reason. Mm-hmm. And they did that with a character in EastEnders called Peter Beale. And Peter Beale, uh, the, the, new, the son of Ian, the son of Ian, he was and he had, Cindy. Is he the son of Cindy? Yes, that's right. That's right. There you go. And so and he used to watch it, you know. That's it. And so what's happened is that is that when this character Peter, the child, they uh, the younger the youngest um, actor Peter, um, he used to play Peter in the nineteen nineties, and they swapped him out again about um, ten years ago, and they actually made two two different Peters. They swapped out for two different Peters. And in this week's episode, we actually see the child, the original child actor who played Peter. Is now back playing Peter. All right. Okay. Cool. So, I mean, that's pretty big. Uh, she's supposed to die. She's come back. Has she got amnesia, or does she remember? No, no. It's typical. No, this isn't. So this is typical East End, right? Hard, hard nut East End. Cindy's character. Well, sorry, Cindy, the character. She was. Uh, she was in in prison, and the storyline had it that she died giving birth in prison. Mm-hmm. However, how she's basically come back to life is that um, she actually ended up going into a witness protection program because she grasped up her cellmate. Oh, very smart, these writers, aren't they? There you go, there you go. So uh, that's your that's your boof, boof moment. Boof, 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 boof. 
Yeah, okay, got it. All right, enough about EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, let's get to some more real life stuff. That's right. Let's have some real life goof goof moments. Uh, real life goof goof moments now. Yeah. So, so what, what sorts of stories um, came up in your search this week, Tracy? Well, the Beyonce, this is just like I really like to mention it because I just think it's cool. It's promoting, it's a concept promoting gender equality, which I never heard of. And Beyonce headlined this concert in the UK. Wouldn't it be great to have these kind of concerts here? Yeah. Is so good. So Beyonce performed an all a set of a set full of female anthems on Saturday at London's concert to raise funds for women's health, education, and justice. So this is at the beginning of June, and we're this is you know this is going to be going out in July. So it's like a month ago. The concert, which organizers hoped would reach a billion viewers, was staged by Chime for Change, a charity started by Italian fashion house Gucci which crowdfunds donations for projects to advance gender equality in more than 70 countries. And then this story, is it Routers or Routers? There's also in The Guardian, there's lots of videos and images of the different performers, from Madonna to Jennifer Lopez, to John, Len John Legend, Florence and the Machine, and 50,000 people at Twickenham Stadium, West London. So it basically goes on about the tears, the tears. Sorry, I just read. Uh, <laughs> Tearful but smiling, she sang at last, which is edited by Etta James. That's why I said the tears. But it goes on to talk about the different songs. Um, it was broadcast to 150 countries on primetime TV. I didn't even know about it, did you? No, no, I didn't. But it, it kind of made sense, especially with Beyonce leading it because uh, you know Beyonce also sang that song uh, If I Were a Boy which I thought yes, was relevant did. to yeah. this so um, it would have been amazing to to be there and to hear her sing that absolutely yeah. beautiful I wish I'd have known about it I may have watched it had I known it was on and uh, leading human rights activist and anti-apartheid campaigner Desmond Tutu appeared in a video message and call for men to stand up for girls and women, which I thought was a really good touch. And he says, this is the time for a revolution for women and girls. This is, he's 81 now, the 81 year old said. I went to visit his, um, where he lived in South Africa when I went okay. to South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Desmond Tutu is somebody I'd like at my dinner party, you know. Yeah, the three party. people that you'd have at your dinner party, mm -hmm. yeah. And we each must play a part. Empowering girls and women is the challenge of our time. I think it is and it just goes on to talk about all the different people um performed that performed um but what what I really wanted to talk about was this organization because I hadn't heard of them who organized this Gucci by Gucci house the only reason I buy Gucci now is because of this and <laughs> <laughs> because I had lots of money because that's not what okay, I'm right, right okay. big up Gucci then big yeah. up Gucci so I looked at it, looked it up. I thought, like, this is interesting. I'd never heard of this before. So Gucci Chai. If you search equilibriumgucci.com, you'll find the Gucci Chai. 
And it's a global campaign funded by Gucci since 2013, which is amazing. To, to unite and strengthen the voices speaking out for gender equality. Gucci Chime aims to inspire participation in a collective community, bringing people together across borders and generations in the fight for equality. Which I thought, wow, I never heard of this. And there's a lot of, so I guess they fund different initiatives and collaborations. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I haven't come across it before. Exactly. And the campaign for 2022 was 2022 Chime Zine. And Chime Zine seems like a, like a digital magazine or something. It's got visions for a feminist future presented by Gucci Chime, Gucci's Chime for Change and the Meteor. So that seems like a kind of um, like a digital magazine. Um, and then this, that last issue, they amplify the voices of black women and girls and gender violence discourses to uplift the stories, advance gender inclusive narrative in the movement for black lives and demand intersectional justice. I wonder so how that comes, I wonder how that extends and 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 is reflected in Gucci's actual marketing campaigns. I like, don't know. Like got, you know the, the posters, um, the models that they choose. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm gonna. I think I'll probably look out for that now next. Yeah. Time. Gucci, I mean, there's so Gucci. many initiatives here. That's what's so interesting about it. They focus on gender equality, social justice, diversity and inclusion, which is quite amazing. And there's environmental things here as well. They've got a podcast called, what's it called? Maybe it's called Equilibrium. They have a podcast called Gucci Podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess they, they talk a little bit about what like what we talk about. Well, that's the themes. Yeah. And yeah, there's a, a Change Makers film by Gucci. And um, Tonya and Satchel Lee, director of the new Gucci Change Makers film, discuss the instability we've lived through this year. So there are people telling stories from their perspectives in the US. This is quite interesting. Hmm. So that was the last, yeah, the last episode of that podcast was dedicated to that particular topic. But yeah, quite I've just, done a, I've just done a quick search on my phone, typed in Gucci marketing, and uh, a mark on the cover of their marketing report. You know, they've got uh, they've definitely they've got three models, um, which definitely reflect diversity. There's an Asian model, there's a uh, black model, and then there's a Caucasian model. Mm. So, so there's representation now. I'm scrolling down in terms of, all of with, um, a lot of the pages, and there looks to be a fair amount of diversity when it comes to colour. When it comes to diversity of body shape, mm. I can't see that. Mm. However, I'm not I'm not kind of targeting this or or um, aiming this at just Gucci, but I think across the fashion board, I, I still think there's a long way to go for that anyway. 
So yeah. it's just that's just a way, you know, that's the whole modeling world, isn't it? So it's great that Gucci have this fund and um, they're bringing awareness to diversity and inclusion. It would be great to see that reflected, not just when it comes to color, but when it comes to um, different body types, because it is the fashion industry. It is the fashion marketing industry. So that would be great to see. Yeah, I mean, Renee talked about it when we when we interviewed her, didn't she? Mm. I'd like to see different body types and abilities. Let's see people with prosthetics and maybe wheelchairs or as well as models. Yeah, I think there is another fashion house which has um, which I've seen a campaign um, where it has been included, but I can't remember which one it is, so I don't want to be naming. No, no, that's all to that more. But I just wanted to raise that profile of that initiative because I think obviously I would support it and I'd never heard of it. So there you go. Equilibrium Gucci, oh. if you want to learn more about it and support any of their initiatives. It's quite interesting. Okay, yeah. story. Um, so I came across this story uh, pretty much just just before we came on air, actually. So I was just scrolling through my uh, uh, social media feed, and a and a story, not a story actually. It was actually a, a snippet of a comedy um, gig came up, and it was from a an Indian community, an Indian female comedian by the name of Swati Sachdeva. And so it played on my social media feed and I had a look at it and um, just the first couple of seconds, it kind of made me laugh. And so I looked into it and I thought, and it actually um, said about the, the actual feed was was bringing attention to the fact that um, this comedian who's female, who's Indian, who is um, who actually works in India, um, has come out with her bisexuality status on stage and it's gained a lot of popularity. And so I had a look to see if there was an article, and there is. And the article that I'm reading from is from the Banega Swath, India. What is that? That's how you, I think it's a, it's either an online a news art, news affairs article. Yeah, and so it's, yeah, Banega Swath, India, mm. or, or NDTV. So, um, and the, the a headline is Love is Love, stand-up comedian Swati Sajdeva opens up about bisexuality in her viral act. Delhi-based stand-up comedian Swati Sajdeva's latest video, Love is Love, is going viral on the internet as she shatters notions around bisexuality and comes out as bisexual. In an almost nine minute long video uploaded on YouTube, Swati shares multiple personal anecdotes around LGBTQ plus and coming out as bisexual. Uploaded three weeks ago, the video has already gone, gained over 8.8 million views. Swati's first official stand-up bit on YouTube also marks her coming out of the closet. As part of the Pride Month special coverage, Banega Swath, India, interviewed Swati to know more about her life experience in the world of comedy. And so then the article um, goes on to, uh, yeah, to describe basically what uh, uh, this comedian Swati's experience has been like when it comes to uh, coming out. So, uh, so she's been asked, uh, when asked if she tries to touch upon societal issues through comedy, as she did with Love is Love, Swati said, there is no intention to talk about a topic. The intention is to have the best joke for me. 
over the years, I've realized that the topic comes later and your joke comes first. If it's really funny, then you choose the topic. By the time I realized I have a lot, lot of jokes on this particular topic, i.e. LGBTQ+, I realized that it's a good topic and I am doing it right. So I picked it up. So, um, so yeah, so, um, and, the, and the article goes on to say, in the recent past, um, it has been witnessed, uh, there's, there's been an increasing representation of the LGBTQ plus um, in the Indian mainstream. Though it might not be enough, we are making an attempt towards normalizing the conversation. Swati believes this will take time, as since childhood, we have been taught about two genders, male and female, to achieve real change will take us time, she said. Mm. So I thought that was a really good article to share because, um, and also to promote um, the, the, the comic geek. I haven't actually seen it yet on um, on YouTube. I'm actually going to be watching a video after we finish recording because mm. just the, the small snippet, the short snippet that I saw, I found very funny. So, and it takes a lot to make me laugh. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. But it's really interesting how. Um, Oh, yeah, it's quite a rarity. It's, it's a fair, it's, it's, it's a rarity about with bisexuality in India and, and being a female in India. So, and it's interesting to see how the times have changed, especially as I, the only other topic I can refer back to is in the late 1980s or early 1990s when there was a film called Fire, which was part of a trilogy. And the, um, the story of that um, cinematic um, piece was about two women who are married into a an Indian household and they're in the kitchen and they're cooking away, but, but they end up having well, they end up having an affair together, a lesbian affair. And when that film came out, um, many of the cinemas in India were actually torched. And so really? because, because of the because of a topic. And and so now compare, comparing that to now, I definitely agree with the article where there has been um, developments in the right direction when it comes to um, not only awareness around, around homosexuality and bisexuality, but also, you know, the way that the, way that the society, the way that the community are, are, are perceiving. Yeah, how they respond to it. And I think that goes with any kind of change in society, whether it's social justice or, you know, equality or racial justice. I think it's the same. It's you. Some people take longer to get used to change than others. That's definitely for sure. Like, I think I'm quite good at adjusting to change, but there always is an initial like, ah, for example, this is unrelated, but just a change example. So I'm need, I'm presenting on my business in July. And I've got to do a 30-minute presentation, right, to, to a group of people. And that's fine. And I've been thinking and having ideas and what I might do, how I might best do that. Um, but I got a call yesterday saying, can I do it next week? Now, that is not what I was expecting. That is not what I planned. And it's a change from how I planned it all to go. So I was freaking out for a good, how long was I freaking out for? At least half a day, <laughs> maybe a bit longer. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready. I'm gonna, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, like, what am I gonna do? I should have say no. Oh, I was just like stressing for quite a yeah, while. Yeah, we've all been there, yeah. I've been there. And I'm just like, okay, 
calm down. <laughs> it's not what I planned. It's a change that will just go with the flow. I like to go with the flow. I'll just think about what I can do and then put something together and have a look at it. And that'll, and that's good enough. I think that's about you do that, Tracy, because you're, you're a rational thinker. I think when it comes to when it comes to taking on the topic of homosexuality or even bisexuality in an Indian community, mm. in a community where the, it's steeped, where it's steeped very deeply in tradition mm. and identity, that it's it's it takes a long it takes a lot more it takes a lot of it takes a lot of time to adjust and it's a shame because I tell you what it's a shame is because and I'm referring to India, is because with, uh, with the, the struggle that I can imagine someone in India would be going through if they, in terms of coming out, if they were homosexual or bisexual, and they're living a life which is not authentic to them, the, the emotional struggle and the trauma that could come out of this, and the fact that India is one of the countries with the highest rate of suicide, for example, you know, that's, um, that's why it's a shame that the perspective, the change, is ta- is, it takes such a long time. We're seeing breakthroughs, you know, mm-hmm. in this comedian, for example, being able to stand up on stage and, um, and admit that and come out as, as her being bisexual. And, um, and it's been taken very well. And uh, so we're seeing signs. You know, this is a reflection of how society is changing slowly. You know, but mm. her, her her show was performed in Delhi, and you know, and it may and it went down well in Delhi. But if we take it to other parts of India, maybe like Gujarat or um, maybe Darjeeling or any of you know any of a more secluded part of India, would it go down in the same way? I don't know. That's a question to ask somebody that lives there. Hey, I I, I agree. That type of change from what you traditionally believe can take time I mean it's not just in India I know it's same in Africa you can't really be gay in certain African countries it's not acceptable still like I talk about Nigeria as well because I know that I know more about that there that situation so I agree these things can take time but some people and I've seen this happen some people can rationalize rationalize and change go with change quickly even in, in those kind specific situations, like you can rush any human being can rationalize anything, anything. So for example, you, you could think, right, this is my health, firm health beliefs. This is what I believe. And especially if it's a family member, uh, say that's coming out as gay, but I love this family member. They're pure, they are good. I love them. And what they're doing isn't harming anyone. So I'm going to support them. That's maybe that took you, I don't know, a few months to get your head around it because it's not who you thought that person was. Yeah. Right. But then it could take communities years. It can take countries decades. So I think it's to be clear, different people can different people have different what's the word rates of progression for change yeah 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 i find it yeah i find it so ironic 
for the Indian community, from my own experience, is because when uh, the first time I went to India was in the um, mid-1980s. And and I remember um, even before before I went to India, I knew about uh, transvestites. And uh, but when I went to India mm. uh, in the mid nineteen in the mid nineteen eighties, mm. uh, there was a, uh, there was transvestites pretty much. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a rare thing. It's very common to see transvestites, especially on the street in India. In India and in India, there you know for a long time now, there's been a, a huge there's been a quite a, quite a lot of um, uh, individuals, especially living in, in on the streets in the, in the poorer communities. Uh, there's been massive. Uh, numbers of transvestites in fact they're actually called in india um nijiras nijiras yeah nijiras nijiras nijira is a translation of a transvestite and i i saw i saw a lot of these nijiras um when i went to india in the 1980s men dressed up in 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 women in women's saris with the long hair with the makeup and bindis coming around asking for money a lot of women were, um, tend to be in the poorer communities um, but they were there and uh, it's all they've always been there mm. there's always been a community of nijiras in india and so when it came to when it comes to um, i suppose um, then the topic of transvestites transsexuals you know even that is in india it's still there's still a long way to go it's ironic how there's always been a community of nichas in um, in India. In fact, it goes back to um, so many, uh, like it goes back to the Mughal Empire Empire time when there was always nichas. And so it's interesting how you know we're talking about change and how long it takes. And uh, it's, a, it's 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 ironic how a community like India, who's always had transvestites in their community, mm. is still you know one of the one of the communities that, that you know have still such a long way to go so yeah yeah I know I know there's always been gay people I think there's always there's always been gay people there's always been people that don't feel like their gender their gender but there wasn't labels to describe what it was that feeling yeah, so in India, there's actually been a community. There's, there's it's always been there. So um, I mean, I, I saw it when I was eight years old out there, and it's all and it's not hidden. It's mm. uh, you know they've they've labeled they've not labeled it. There's, there's always been a name for it. They've always been there, and it's and it's not anyone. It's not nothing to be surprised at. So I was introduced, not introduced to it, but I was exposed to it when I was about eight years old, mm. and and it just became and that was it. It was just exposure, and there wasn't any there wasn't any. Um, any opinions around it it just was what it was or it is what it is and so that's why it's ironic that in the Indian community they have this when nobody bats an eyelid but yeah. then, you know but then when it comes to um, maybe transsexuality or um, when it comes to homosexuality and bisexuality there's still such a long way to go but yeah. we have seen, we have, there are, we have been seen, we are, we are seeing progression. Like, for example, in the Netflix um, series of, sorry, the Netflix edition of a series called The Big Day, where it focuses on the amount of effort and the amount of attention and the amount of money that goes into a traditional Indian wedding, where they followed um, a, uh, a couple of uh, homosexual males. 
So um, I have not seen that. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, so it's it's really really good. I really so there was a in in that particular series. I think it's series one of the Big Day, and um, there's two couples, two heterosexual couples, which they follow, and then there's a gay couple that they follow, and they're Indian. And so it's really great. I love to see. I I really love seeing how Netflix again, you know, um, was able to reflect diversity in that series. So it's a good one to watch. I will. I'm going to watch it. Um, but you know, I was what I was saying in, is what she says here in her article. She believes that every friend group in every friendship group, one can find someone from the LBG, LGBTQ plus community. The only difference is that earlier people would hide their gender identity. Whereas now they are vocal about it because I think some of the backlash is, oh, you're adopting Western ways. You've been influenced by the West. What she's saying, no, it's always been here. It's just now being more vocal about it because we used to hide it. And in the past, one has witnessed increasing representation of the community in mainstream on television, like you're talking about that series on Netflix. And she said, and Swati says she believes that um, it'll take time because childhood the taught about, you know, the very strict definitions of what gender and sexuality. Um, but I like the, do you want to give that example you gave? I thought it was good. I found it about the, the glasses because you're wearing glasses. You just reminded me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so Swati has given an example about, about how, about accepting others for who they are. And Swati has said, let's say you are used to seeing your friend wearing spectacles. Since childhood, you have seen your friend like that. And one day they decide to get rid of those specs. It will take time to get used to seeing your friend without a pair of spectacles sitting on their nose. You'll feel weird and you will make your friend feel weird about themselves. It's just an example of how afraid we are of accepting change. Just be open to change and a lot can be achieved out of it. Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. I remember I have a cousin and she had... She had the nose, it has like a bump here. And she didn't like a nose for all her childhood. And I think when she turned 18, that was a time when she could get, make her own decision. And she got it a nose job, basically. And she looked different. She looked like her, but she looked different. And it took a while to get used to, but she was much happier. And I feel like that's how you know if a change is good or not. It's how that person is. Are they happier? If they're happier, it's probably a good change. Yeah. If they're authentically happier, it's probably a good change. I like that analogy. So I remember thinking, oh, you look so different. Oh, it's not you. But she was so much happier after she'd done it. So good. Okay. So all right. We've got time for a what would you do? You do. And I mean Bavna has unfortunately has not got an experienced one this week for us I haven't no I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't got a lived in experience of a what would you do she hasn't got a recent one anyway so I pulled this one up and yeah and we talked to it because we mentioned it we talked about it a little bit before we started recording and and it's in, we both had interesting experiences of this of this or not so that's what I mean so a co-worker and doesn't even need to be a co-worker can be on uh, other scenarios, says of a black woman on another team, why does she always seem so angry? Or what would you do? It's an interesting one because, um, I mean, this, this highlights, I suppose, 
a reputation about black women being quite outspoken and angry not necessarily angry but unapproachable you know being quite kind of um, uh, headstrong and that can be misinterpreted as being angry uh, I don't actually know where that comes from but um, but yeah that's I suppose maybe it, it could come from that area I guess or maybe that person is angry you know we don't know <laughs> So, so it's one of a two, you know, you know, without, without actually understanding the wider context. All right. Well, let's just assume it's the first, because you're right, it could be either. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's a, if it's a context where they don't, they don't know anything about that, that person and um, it's the first time that person has spoken, um, I'd probably ask around, what makes you say that? Okay. Find out more. Just find out more about where it's coming from. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that you said that because that is the, that is word for word the first first statement of the answer. Hundred percent. Tick. Oh, I passed with flying colours on this one. Right. <gasps> uh, but, you had this experience. What's your experience been like around this? I have had this in a few instances. I've had people tell me they're scared or intimidated by me without really even talking to me what's intimidating about you then Tracy (laughs) that's a good question because I really don't know I'm asked and people have not really been able to articulate what they mean by that I mean am I all right I can't remember word for word and I've had it a few times and that can ask well what how why like I would say why and he's like you're so confident and you you speak you say what you think and like now to me these are positive qualities yes that don't sound intimidating but to me it just reflects and it's only recently that I think like this it reflects a perception of how women should behave and it's going against and especially when the people telling me this are people that I I would consider don't really speak up and say what's on their mind or in a quiet hold back a lot it's these types of people that say this to me um, with those kind of characteristics and it makes and now only now I'm thinking this is because there's a perception of how women should behave and when they don't behave that way it's it's unusual or it's whatever intimidating so I think I think you know those qualities if you if you were a male would you you know would you be labeled as the same thing you probably no. would a lot of people don't say um, um, don't don't find a strong of uh, someone who's someone who speaks their mind um somebody who is uh, it was just a uh, quite confident yeah or a male they wouldn't necessarily find them or label them as unapproachable it would no. it, it would probably you know they'd probably praise around that so oh, I don't even think it would just go unnoticed and men wouldn't even get a comment like I think not all men but many men especially men in positions of leadership speak confidently firmly um say what they're thinking and it's there's no description of that it's just expected yeah. and sometimes women they're seen as ball breaking aggressive blah yeah. blah blah now black women there's another level to that being perceived as angry and and i and i've seen I'll be honest, I'll put my hand up. I've seen versions where it could be perceived angry, but that's ang- where they actually are angry. 
like, you know, they're angry at something that's happened. They're perceived as unjust or unfair and they are being angry. And you'll see a lot of angry women because there's a lot of unjust and fair things happening to black women generally. Do you know what I mean? Especially on television when there's, they're putting the, on TV and they're always, they're generally in the context of oppression. So you're going to see a lot of angry women, right, on telly. Yeah, and have you noticed how, like, there's, um, and again, here's it's a bit of a generalisation, but it's what I've been picking up, is that when you get a female who's passionate, passionate, passionate. They, they can, they're at a risk of being labelled crazy. Oh, but, or angry. Yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. if you, you pick up a male who's passionate about a particular topic, it's like maybe, okay, uh, a very specialist on this topic, or you know yeah. that's their um, that's their forte. They yeah. don't. They're not. They're not as much. They're not. They're not at risk as much of being labelled the crazy one or angry or aggressive. Yeah. And that's another thing. You're passionate. Passion and anger. There's a very. There's a big difference. I, I think it's an obvious difference. And I find I I perceive and it's and the social you know social research to show that a lot of women get called angry when they're actually just passionate yeah about what they're talking about and then I think there's a very big difference between anger and passion and I think maybe if you think oh do I do that maybe you need to just imagine if you see a woman and you think oh she she's coming across really angry maybe you want to think about well this is a man saying exactly the same thing behaving exactly the same way is that what I think the same I don't know maybe that's what you ask yourself Mm -hmm. so there is this myth of an angry black woman and it is popularized, popularized in the media a lot. I don't think the Spice Girls. No, because they called her Scary Spice. Exactly. Where did that? I mean, I think it was the, and again, I'm not too, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm about 90% confident when I say this. I think when the Spice, the Spice Girls um, did an interview um, very, very early on, before they were labeled, with the Smash Hits magazine. Mm. And it was a smash hits reporter or magazine that labelled them. Oh, really? And that's what's that's what made it stick. Oh, and I so didn't realise that. Yeah, so it was actually Smash Hits magazine that came up with these labels. Right. And the label that they gave Mel, Mel. Yeah, Mel B. is Scary Spice. And mm. so when you were talking about, you know, the media perpetuates this, this is a this is an example of this. Yeah, it's a really good example. I got you brought that up because I brought, I have a, I do a talk about representation and I talk about that. I talk about growing up, not seeing people that look like me in the media, except for the Spice Girls one day in the 90s. And, you know, and I talk about these stereotypes that black people get, you know, criminals, basic second-class citizens up to no good, you know, not in a positive way generally, you know, not as smart, lots of different labels perpetuated in the media. And and then you've got Scary Spice, who's, you know, women empowerment, but she's called Scary Spice. So I talk about that a little bit. And nobody, and you wouldn't have even understood that at the time, that it's perpetuating this, again, myth of an angry black woman. But anyway, go back to this. 
So labeling a black woman angry can hurt her at work. In one study, so this is research, when black women were viewed as angry, they received lower ratings and raises than white women viewed the same way. So even if you think that's an angry white woman, she's going to come off better than if you, another woman who's black is given the same label. Comments like these can invalidate her point of view, which means the company loses out on their contributions. And this stereotype can take a mental toll as black women have to constantly monitor how they talk and act. And what you can do, tick, okay. you can ask, what makes you say that? This can prompt your colleague to reflect on whether they are motivated by bias without putting them on the defensive. You could point out that the woman didn't seem particularly angry to you. And if you think your colleague is open to it, you can share why it happens. So the myth of the angry black woman is a racist trope popularized in the media since the Jim Crow era. And I don't know who Jim Crow is because I'm not American. It began as a way of criticizing and dismissing women who didn't conform to the slavery era ideals of black women as submissive. The myth is just that, just that, a myth. Research has shown that black women are no more likely to experience or express anger than Americans as a whole. So there you go. Right. But I've had that, me, I've had that. Uh, I remember a guy, a white guy come up to me and say, do you know how hard it is to ask a black woman out? Uh, was that supposed to be a chat up line? Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> this was very, a young guy. I was in my 20s. It doesn't matter how young old. <laughs> That's tragic, Tracy. <laughs> that is tragic. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think that's up there with, oh, can I touch your hair, isn't it? I don't know. And then I've had people come up. Surely. I've had friends, actual friends tell me they're intimidated by me. Now, I don't know if that means they're intimidated by me because they thought I was, and I was scary. I've had that as well. So I've had that scary. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a misconception, isn't it? And I don't know where it's come from. It's, uh, but it, it's a misconception. So um... actually, Meenal even said something similar when she first met me. What did she say? She thought, she was funny actually, because she said this only the other day because somebody was asking how we met. And she goes, oh, I didn't like her. I didn't think I'd like her. I thought she was really scary or something. I don't. I wasn't going to like her. I thought she'd be a bitch. Well, that could have been, again, that could have been about anything. I could it have could have been about anything. It could have come from a person's aura or energy as they say it yeah it could come from a context whereby you might be talking about in the work environment as you as you met me it could be a, 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 a context whereby a, a work piece which was dependent on what Amina was working on on was was being obstructed by a work project that you were working on it could have been anything you know that but this was literally first day I see okay this is right. first day walking I'm sat opposite her also, this, you're talking first impressions. No, yeah. nothing said. Yeah. Wow. And this is what I mean. So when I ask about why, they yeah, can't, yeah. and you can't articulate why. And what did Mina say? What was Mina's response? She's like, oh, I don't know. Just. And that's what I mean. When people don't know, if they honestly don't know, 
I, I always think it's an unconscious bias that they've learned something they don't realize yeah like because she doesn't have any black friends she wouldn't have met many black people the only you know her exposure to black people were most so mean were born is born and raised in australia fiji fiji as a child and moved here okay so uh, well i don't know about how many black people there are in fiji for well besides fijians no right no okay. so so that's what i mean when people don't know why they have this I, uh, it's usually a bias usually if it's not well, a past experience yeah well it's, but it's like um, it's not it's a little bit similar but when when i when i arrived in australia um years ago i remember people who um saw me across the room and then when they came over and started talking to me they were completely thrown by the, my british accent and they couldn't piece to, they found it difficult to piece together that um you know uh, i i look indian but i sound english mm. so so yeah. it might be that a lot of indian people cuz this australia is quite close to india like there's a lot there's yeah yeah i don't know if the community here is as big as it is in the uk i'm not i couldn't tell you i just it's not about it's about it's not about numbers it's about cultural but this is what i mean though what yeah. i'm trying to say is whatever the numbers are i think most a lot of the majority of people from india and pakistan are from indian pakistan yeah and they don't have as many generations as we do in yeah it's a generational difference yeah so it's a little bit different to the scenario here where it's first impressions and it's of a personality trait mm. anyway so. interesting right mm. so who knows um, but i mean this i could tell you uh, we've got really time to talk about it but you know i had a lot of st- stuff going on where i did have an energetic kind of fu thing going on but that was mostly around men and nothing to do with wasn't a general thing because i have a lot of friends i wouldn't have any friends if that was all the time but i did have something but it was mostly around men and dating rather than the people but so that's a conversation for us yeah and, that, and i'm sure that that will come up in, in a future article <laughs> that we'll bring to the podcast but in the meantime it's been a great podcast and i know that i'm going to go away and have a look at swati sanchdeva's uh gig comic gig on youtube mm-hmm. um, so i'm going to go off and watch that enjoy i will see you next week i'll see you next week bye, bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!